This is the Gospel of Kennison. How you doing, folks? This is the Gospel of Kennison. I am your host. My name is James Kennison, and welcome to this episode brought to you on uh, Monday, February 11th, 2019. This is the personal audio journal of me, James Kennison. I got an email today, and I figured, why not? Hey, James. Um, very briefly in last week's That Story Show, you mentioned what's saved, always saved. And John, I think, mentioned Calvin. So I was wondering, what's your denomination or theology? I was thinking this would be a pretty interesting topic for Gospel of Kinnison. But I understand it can also be a pretty fraught one. There's nothing Christians like more than getting their panties in a wad over doctrinal differences. But you seem to be pretty inured in fake outrage. If you're curious, I'm a woman in my late 20s and I am reformed. I live in Georgia and my favorite color is blue. Stalkers. This is from a young lady named Lynette. So I'm always asking for ideas. And so when I get one, I guess I got to do it. You know, I don't know how long I can talk about this, but I'll give it a shot. Um, I'm not once saved, always saved. But I'm if if once saved, always saved was all the way over on the left side, you know, of of a, of a line, and then on the other extreme of the line, there was the belief that every time you mess up, you have to get saved again. And there are people like that, I guess. I guess. Um, then I would have you go all the way to the left, where once saved, always saved is. I would have you back off about one quarter inch and then that's where i would put my dot because i am almost (laughs) once saved always saved but not quite and some would say well what's the difference i i would say that i think it's very very hard to lose your salvation i but i do think that it is in very extreme cases very possible in the extreme case that i would state would be someone who willingly and on purpose, uh, similar to the way that you ask Christ into your life and and ask him to forgive your sins and accept him as Savior, you would have to do a similar thing in, in willingly rejecting God and Jesus Christ. Um. I don't know though. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight anybody on this though. Because here's the only thing I really believe anymore. Um, by the way, my denomination uh that I'm affiliated with is the Assemblies of God. So we're those weirdos that believe in the Holy Spirit um as a second thing after salvation, and we emphasize uh prayer languages, speaking in tongues and stuff like that. It freaks everybody out, right? Um, so I say all that to say, I won't fight you on anything um, unless we're talking about the basics. I believe in God. I believe he loves us. I believe he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. I believe that Jesus is the... Um, the only way to the father. And um, 
I believe all that. I believe the Holy Spirit came to be a comforter and to, I believe his job is to convict people and that um, you can be, you, you have to be drawn by the Spirit to, uh, through the Son uh, in order to connect with God. Uh, I believe in the Trinity, um, meaning it's a concept that's not specifically spelled out in the Bible. A lot of people don't, though. Um, the Trinity being that God is one, but three persons. Um, and why I believe that and why I believe it is mentioned in the Bible is when Jesus is baptized, there is a uh, very clear picture of Jesus in the flesh being baptized, the Holy Spirit coming down and descending in the form of or like a dove, and the voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom, I'm, whom I am well pleased. So you've got three distinct personalities working together at that moment right there. And to me, that's the moment that proves the Trinity. Some people believe in dispensationalism where I believe it means that they believe that God uh, revealed himself as God, the father in the old Testament, God, the son during the gospels and, you know, the life of Christ and now reveals himself as God, the Holy spirit in his presence and all that. And though, um, though you could definitely make that argument. Um, I see the Holy spirit at creation Hovering over the face of the waters, I see the angel of the face of God in with the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, um, the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, so I, I see three distinct uh, individuals, um, persons, I guess, personalities. Uh, uh, I don't know. I've heard people say that the Trinity is impossible to explain and i guess because i've been raised to believe it and and taught it my whole life it's not hard for me it's like an egg an egg has a shell it has a yolk it has the white but it's an egg three parts i, I you know you can you could say the same about a human even though there's some contention of over how many parts people are made of uh, but the spirit the mind and the body being one person um, I believe God is the same way. Um, I don't have a problem with anybody that believes once saved, always saved. It's just not my thing. Um, my only concern with Calvinism in general is the part where they believe people are predestined and that Jesus died uh, specifically for people that he foreknew or he predestined. And the Bible verse that they use talks about that. They said those he foreknew, he also predestined to become uh, children of God. And I interpret that differently than a Calvinist would. I would say that God knows who is going to choose him of their own free will. And so he foreknew this. 
He predestined them, meaning he knows who's going to receive Christ. So he set them up to become children of God. I don't believe God, I think I believe I'm correct in this, that a Calvinist would say that God chooses who he wants and rejects those that he doesn't want. I, my difference is I say he opens God's, his grace to everyone and that Jesus died for the sins of mankind, all of us. And that quite literally we're all saved except there's this little part where you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if you do that, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. So we're all saved. Jesus paid the price for all of us, but only those who accept this free gift will reap the benefits of eternal life. Does that make sense? Um, I don't have any verses in front of me other than what's already in my head. <laughs> I, I didn't do any pre-studying for this. This is just the stuff that I believe and the reasons I believe it. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, I believe, um, yeah, I, I guess I could say that I believe in, um, that we're supposed to be baptized I don't believe baptism itself saves you. Uh, a lot of people do. They believe it's part of the salvation package, and that's fine. Um, if you believe that, that that's the case, that's fine. I just believe it was something we were told to do, and I believe it's very important. And I believe I love the symbolism of it. And if you've ever been to a baptism service where somebody is freshly saved and and they're just loving God and they, they are allowed to give a testimony before they get dunked, it is, it is truly a spiritual experience and you can, for those of us that have been saved a long time and, and, and it's hard maybe to get excited about the things of God sometimes because we've lived it, you know, and, and we found the struggle, uh, is real. <laughs> uh, it is so good to hear that, uh, the fresh faith of, of someone and, and it really is a shot in the arm for me. Uh, but the symbolism of going down dirty, coming up clean, um, the way that we are baptized is is uh, is a strong thing, and I think it was uh, it, it's a good thing. Um, I also believe that we're supposed to take communion. That that's an ordinance uh, of the church. It says uh, it doesn't say you have to do it every month or every week or you know whatever. It just says the Bible just says whenever you do this, whenever you do it. Do, do it in remembrance of me. And so I don't have a hardcore uh, amount of time that, that has to pass before I do communion. Um, but I'm also someone that doesn't believe. Uh, a lot of folks will say, if you're not a member of the church or if you're not a Christian, please don't take uh, communion. And, and I, th- I, I don't agree with that. Um, I think that anyone can take communion. I know people that have come to Christ because of the, the symbols and, and the, uh, the, the whole procedure. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a living, almost a living, breathing invitation to, uh, partake of, of what Jesus has done. Now they, you know, the Bible does say that whoever, um, uh, does this, uh, 
oh, see, see, here's where I'm faltering. My quota is broken. But it basically says that he that does something, something, uh, you know, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And and so that would be a reason somebody would say, don't let an unsaved person take communion. I would say, well, they're already judged. Um, so let them take communion. Let them feel a part of it. Let them let them eat and drink uh, the symbols of the body and blood of Christ and see what the Holy Spirit does. You know, um, another interesting thing, I believe. And uh, again, I won't fight you over this, but it might interest you to know. A lot of folks get tripped up about the um, the unpardonable sin. Everybody kind of wonders what it is and if they have accidentally ever in their life been guilty of breaking it and therefore messing up their entire eternity on accident. First of all, I don't think it's anything you would ever do on accident because that would be a mean trick. I don't think salvation is, is hinged on everything's great and solid and everything's going to be wonderful, except you could accidentally, you know, uh, pick a stamp off an envelope and then that's it. You did it. You just blasphemed the Holy Spirit. All right. So um, obviously blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the definition of the unpardonable sin, but people don't know how they do that. How do you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Well, a few years ago, on YouTube, it was a, a trending thing to get on if you were a, a, a you know an atheist and tick off the Christians by saying on a video that my name is blah blah blah, and I am officially blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you know, and and they would put this up, and uh, it was a few years back, and I saw you know a few folks do it, and I just kind of shook my heads because I, I my heads my head because they. Um, did not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Here, here's the way I think. This is what I think it is. Okay, and I won't fight you on this, but it it makes sense. Okay, for just a second, help me out. Imagine that you don't know anything about the unpardonable sin. All right, you don't you you don't have any opinions made up. You don't ha- you don't even know it exists. Now I'm going to ask you a question. What is the only way? that you can uh, die and not go to heaven. And your answer, if you thought about it for a second, would be, I, I would have to never have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I would say exactly that, my friends, is the only thing that could ever keep you out of heaven if you wanted to go, is not asking Jesus to save you from your sins, to accept what he did on Calvary. That, my friends, uh, when you, especially when you consider that the Holy Spirit draws us to Christ and that no one can come to the Father uh, except through Christ, and then uh, the Holy Spirit's job is to draw us to Christ, and that's how we come to him. Um, I believe that is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. When we reject constantly with our life, with our actions, with our wills, the pull and the draw that the Holy Spirit has on our lives, and we do not receive Jesus Christ, that is the unpardonable sin. So if you have asked Christ into your life and you are are, are there in that state of, of salvation, then you have not committed the unpardonable sin. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay? So it just makes it makes sense to me. 
uh, there's there's no mystery there. There's tons of mysteries, but not not that one to me. Okay. So uh, again, I'm not going to fight you on any of this except for what I believe about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'm not even going to get tripped up about tongues and interpretation and prophecies and healings and all those things. Um, I will talk about prayer a little bit. Uh, I believe in prayer. I believe that prayer is asking God for things. Um, A lot of folks make it very complex and complicated and they pray with a lot of words and they write books about how to pray. And I think to a certain extent, prayer and worship too has become so complex and we feel like we can't do it right. Haven't you ever, you guys that that pray, don't you kind of always feel like you just haven't prayed enough or that you didn't pray right? Or maybe you should pray for it again. Or should you pray for that thing again? Is praying for it again a lack of faith? Here's the deal. Prayer literally is asking God for things. All right? There is worship and there is all these different things. But prayer literally means please to ask, to to pray, tell, you know, give me this, this, and this. I I I don't believe Jesus is our God is Santa Claus. You know, that kind of thing. That's not what I'm promoting here. I'm just saying that prayer is is asking for things. And the Bible says that God knows what we need before we even ask him. But somehow or another, it's it's important to still ask. I had a pastor tell me that God limits himself by how his people pray. And so I'm a big fan of of asking God for stuff. Um, you know, you can get really tripped up though on all of the rules that you've heard about, like praying according to his will. Do you, do you, do you pray for certain things or do you just pray God's will? Here's, here's what I figure. I figure God is smart enough. He knows the course of my life. He, he hears my heart more than he ever hears the words that I'm saying. And just like a kid that will ask their parents for something, you may say no, but you recognize what they actually need. Hey, can I have candy? No, you can't right now. You have to have dinner. So we're going to go through dinner first and it's going to be terrible because dinner is, is meat and peas and you hate peas and you're not crazy about meat either, but you're going to eat it all. And then tomorrow, if you're good, <laughs> you can have some candy. You get my point. I hope is that I believe you pray, you put it out there and you trust God to direct that energy or that, that prayer to the right place. I'll give you an example. There was a kid in our youth group, uh, inner city youth group back in the day. And he, he come up to one of us and he was like, you don't understand when I first got saved, I was praying. I was praying for sex. I was praying for God to help me get lucky. And we kind of laugh, but I look back and I thought about the grace of God and the goodness of God. And here's a kid that used to be horrible. And He's trying to live his life right, 
but he doesn't know quite yet all of the rules, you know, he doesn't know all the sins and, you know, he's just, that's where he was at the time, but he was praying. And I believe our father, God would look down on that and he would take that misled prayer and he would say, you know what? I'm not going to answer it (laughs) right out, but he's trying. And I almost imagine he grabs it like a hose that's in the wrong place and he kind of plugs it in in the right place and says, you know what? It still counts as prayer and a connection. And I'll give him what he actually needs, which is fulfillment in his life. And um, we'll we'll help him get some direction there because what he's actually saying is he doesn't know what he's doing with his Christianity yet. He needs some help. (laughs) Um, So back to prayer. Back to prayer. Very recently, I've gotten to the point that I'm tired of all the rules about prayer and worrying if I'm obeying them. And I just pray. I pray whenever I want. I don't pray for a specific time, a specific way. Very clear cut. Me and God, you know, you don't have to pray the way I do. Please don't. It's probably wrong. But when I need something, I just say, dear God, please help me with such and such. And then I will say it again. Dear God, please help me with such and such. Because the Bible does say, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He compares himself to an unjust judge and says that we need to be the annoying lady in the back of the courtroom that shows up every single day to have our, uh, our, our court case heard. We need to be there so often and so regularly and ask so many times that that like the judge says in the Bible, he says, I'm going to see your case, not because I am good, but because I am sick and tired of you being in here every single day. God's not like that, but he, he wants us to treat him as if he's like that in this context. So I ask and I ask again and again and again, and I don't use a lot of words. And my chi- my prayer is very childlike and very immature. I have I have grown spiritually in the last few years, but my prayer life has taken a step back, according to most people. If if I lost my keys, I pray God, please help me find my keys, and I'll find my keys. I've I actually have found several things. <laughs> it's I could tell you stories recently of of ridiculous things that I have found that I have misplaced that I never would have found in a million years, but I just simply pray. So I, I, I can't get somebody cured of cancer yet, but I at least got this finding things out. So if you need help finding something in your house, um, just have me pray for it and it'll happen. <laughs> You'll find it. I got faith for that. I believe that because it's happened, but, um, but I, I kid, but, like, for instance, one of the things that we're doing right now is trying to find a place for my daughter to go to high school. Her high school, uh, where she was going to go, is is changing significantly and to the point that we don't wish to continue there, even though we may have to for one more year. But anyway, um, but do we send her to a good public school? Do we take her to a private school? Do we keep her where she's at? There's a lot of questions there. And... In the past, I would worry, how do I pray about this? How do I know that I want her to go to a public school? How do I know if she should go to the private school? How do I know 
you know, and I would, I would almost apologize to God and say something like, dear God, I, I don't want to mess up anything, but you know, I, I just need, we need guidance and we need support and we need your help. And I'm sorry for bothering you, but yeah. And my prayer was just this big whiny, weepy thing. And now I'm like, dear God, please help us find a solution to this problem. My daughter needs a place to go to high school. Um, I don't know where to send her, but you know where she's supposed to be. And please, you know, uh, what, what, what would I say? Oh, your will be done. There we go. Not my will, but your will. So I pray my will, you know, the things that I think should happen. God help her to get in it at this school. Uh, give us favorite such and such. But then for me anyway, I just say, but not my will, your, your will be done. Whatever you want, because he knows if you believe in God, you got to believe that the guy knows, he knows everything. He knows what's best. And that's what I want for my life. I want what's best. I don't want what I pray necessarily, but I am told to pray and I'm told to ask and bring all kinds of prayers and requests. And so that's what I do. And man, it has taken the stress out of talking to God and I do it a lot more often now. You know, I read a book a long time ago called, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And it was about praying one hour a day. And man, I did it. I prayed an hour a day. And God God bless those that believe that and do that and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I carried a lot of guilt for a long time after I stopped because I felt like I wasn't praying enough and it kept me from praying at all. It's like when you don't go to the dentist, when they send you the reminder email and then the longer it goes on, the more ashamed you are to call because you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't been flossing right. I know they're going to judge me. I know my teeth are jank and they need to be cleaned, but I've, it's been too long and they're going to just, I just need a new dentist. <laughs> but with God, you can get in the same boat and you're like, I don't want to pray because I haven't prayed. But uh, you take the stress out of it and you realize God's our father and he loves us. He knows what we need before we ask it. And he limits himself by how his people pray. He wants us to bug him. He wants us to come to him like a child. I believe you take a lot of the, the pomp and circumstance out of it and you just make your needs known and you trust that God has the answer for them. I used to offer him suggestions. I don't do that anymore. I used to worry about the answers as if I wasn't even giving them to God. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares about you. But I was working. I, I felt like my prayer was somehow working the problem and God was working on it because I was working on it kind of thing. But that's the thing with prayer is you just ask. And again, I'm not saying Jesus, you know, that God in, in Christ is, is this uh, Santa Claus that's going to give you everything you want. It, it I'll, I'll be honest, it hardly ever happens that way. That's why me finding the things that I have found recently through prayer have been an exciting and un, uh, unexpected minor miracle. Uh, <laughs> and I'm hoping to see results in other areas, mostly this high school thing right now.
uh, I think prayer is important. And I believe there's different kinds of prayer. And, and, and yes, it is simple. It's more complicated than I have made it. That there is all kinds of prayers. There's supplication, there, that which is asking. There's thanksgiving, which is, you know, worship and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's just all these kinds of prayers, and that's great. Um, but at its core, um, for me right now, it's simply asking God for what I need with no bull thrown in, no extra. And uh, God is God's cool with that for me. Don't necessarily quote me. This is the gospel of Kennison after all, not the gospel gospel. But try it. Seriously, just pray. Um, you know, the that, that's another verse. Uh, the Bible says pray consistently. Pray without ceasing in another translation. That one used to stress me out too because I'm like, I'm supposed to be praying all the time. What about sleep? Well, surely he doesn't mean that, so he must mean every waking hour. But I can't do that. I mean, it's not that kind of person. I can just, oh. And you feel like you're just never measuring up. Never. Because there's these outrageous requests because you misunderstood a, a two-word two scripture. I believe that pray uh, continuously um, means Pray without stopping, which doesn't mean pray nonstop. It means pray and continue praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking and knocking. Don't stop bugging God. Don't give up on what you're needing from him. And I think it's kind of like the communion deal where, you know, whatever you do this, do it this way, you know, or, or do it. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I had somebody tell me one time that praying in the car doesn't count. Yes, it does. Praying with your eyes open doesn't count. Yes, it does. Praying out of desperation it, it doesn't count. Yes, it does. You know what? Here's the shocking thing. I believe God answers the prayers of unbelievers. Yes, I do. It makes sense if you think about it. If you think about it, what... <laughs> What's the prayer that you prayed when you asked Jesus in your heart? Were you a sinner then or were you saved? You were a sinner and God answered your prayer. So he answers prayers because he wants to draw people to him. He answers the prayers of the sinner, the worst of the worst. So how much grace is he going to have for you, the Christian, who's trying to pray, to trying to to be respectful, trying to break through, you know, the, the, the tangles and the webs in your own head, make it simple. Keep it childish. Keep it basic. It's a conversation. And, um, I find that, that when I kept it simple, that I would become more conversational. And I wouldn't try to give God ideas on how to fix the situation. I would just find ways of expanding on the original idea. Like my daughter's high school thing. God, you know, initially it was God just help us to find uh, or help us as we look for a school. Help us give us guidance. Help us know what to do. 
And, and then as we did what we're supposed to do, because that's the other thing I believe is that we pray, but we also need to do. Um, when I was growing up, I was taught that all you had to do was pray and believe. But there is a, uh, there's a joke, it's a pastor joke, so it's not a funny joke unless you're standing behind a pulpit and then it's funny. Uh, of a brother and a sister. And I think I've shared this before because I always share it anytime it comes up. But they're late and they don't want to get a whooping. But they're going to get a whooping if they don't get home on time. And they're running home. And the brother drops to his knees and the sister's like, what are you doing? He says, I'm praying. I'm praying that we won't get in trouble and that we'll get there on time. Aren't you? What, what are you doing? And she says, oh, I'm praying. And I'm running and praying. Basically, I agree with the young lady in this case. That you do everything possible on your end. So that, and you leave the impossible. You do what is natural and normal and in your power. And God does the supernatural, the unnormal, the things that you can't control and can't know about. I believe he blesses the efforts of his people. In other words, I don't believe you sit on the couch and pray for a job. And though there are exceptions to every, you know, for instance, that you do about God, because God can use anything and do anything and blah, blah, blah. But in general, you're not going to sit on the couch and ask God for a job and the job's just going to walk through the door. You have to actually go out there and get one. It's like the kid praying, please bless me and help me pass the test tomorrow. But the kid didn't study. The, the proper thing to do is study and show yourself approved and then pray, God, please help me remember, help me not get nervous. Help me not forget what I've studied. Then, you know, you're setting yourself up to win. I don't know. I used to wonder about prayer even when I was a kid. Because I'd be praying for my ball team to win when I was playing t-ball. I'm thinking, there's probably another kid praying for his team to win. And then I'm praying for it to stop raining on a Saturday. But I bet there's farmers out there praying for it to rain all weekend. But prayers are... What prayers is God going to listen to? Which ones is he going to take and give more, you know, uh, uh, weight to? Who's going to win? Kind of, I I don't know that God answers those kind of prayers. (laughs) God doesn't care what baseball team wins. Um, and, and, and the rain is, is just, it's controlled by weather, you know? I believe some things God just set into motion and it's just working on its own. Um, you know, so, so there you go. <laughs> pray, pray, pray about the important things, you know, uh, you do what, what you can do. Uh, you control what you can control and the things that you can't control. That's the stuff you pray about. And with me recently, you know, with my depression and, uh, though things have been good last week, wasn't great, but I didn't do a GOK last week. If you noticed, um, being able to talk to God without all of the pomp and circumstance has been what has saved me, uh, recently. 
and helped me to reform and, and reconnect my relationship with God in the first place. Because when I was severely depressed, I didn't have room for God and it's horrible. I'm, I'm very ashamed of the way my faith folded. Um, I just didn't have the energy. I didn't have the energy. And I think I've even mentioned on the podcast that it was like I was holding God's hand, you know, or his wrist. And he's, you know, like that thing they do whenever you're about to fall off a cliff, they grab each other's wrists. So imagine me and God in that situation. I'm on the bottom. He's on top. He's holding me. I remember the moment and I was laying in bed in extreme pain and, and I just didn't have the energy to, to maintain the relationship anymore. And in just in my heart, I let go. Not in a, I'm going to go out and sin or I don't want to be saved anymore kind of way, but just in a, I, I don't have it in me. And I fully expected to feel my soul just shrivel up and die. But nothing changed, my friends, because I know, I remember in my mind, it was almost almost like a vision, I guess, just a, a, a play in my head where I see these arms interlocked and mine lets go, but God's doesn't. And I realized so much in that moment, even in the darkest times, I realized how much of my relationship with God I thought was on my shoulders, but how it's like 99.999 to 100% him. Who am I to think that I could maintain a relationship with God? No, it's all him. He's the potter. We're the clay. We don't change ourselves. He changes us. We stay willing and flexible and faithful, but he works it in us. We test and approve, and yes, we struggle with our faith and blah, 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 blah. I know all that. I'm just saying I realized in that moment that God didn't let go of me and that depression was like a dark cave, but that there was a rope with a loop at the beginning. And all I had to do was stick my hand through that loop and God would pull on the other end and just pull and pull and pull and drag my sorry butt all the way through it, through the pain, through the jankiness, through the junk and the mess, through the, you know, not having a job anymore, through the, the heartache and the physical pain the mental anguish, the stress, the uh, anxieties, the the you know letting people down and, and feeling like nothing. I couldn't make it through, but God was pulling me, and when I, I couldn't pray at all because I felt so guilty about not having this relationship, it was like God was saying, I, you, don't, <laughs> you, you don't get to let go. You, you, you think you could even hold on to me anyway? It's me holding you. And um, I, I was able to begin praying again because of that. Because otherwise, you know, in my old way of thinking, I wouldn't be able to pray because I hadn't, 
I'm just going to say it. I hadn't kissed his butt lately. Felt like I had to kiss up. I had to worship a certain amount. I had to do a certain amount of good deeds in order to get my prayers heard. And I've come to understand through the Bible and, and, and just through practicality, just my relationship with my children. Um, I mean, even Jesus used that as an example. You being evil know how to give good to your children. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit when we ask? Um, my kids come to me and ask for things, constantly asking questions, not just for things, but also advice. Or they want to know what something means or what a sign on the side of the road meant or what this dude was doing at the 7-Eleven. I, there's so many questions and they bombard me constantly and I patiently as I can answer them. And sometimes I tell them, yes, it's this. And the guy's a weirdo and don't look at him. Um, or I, I give them what they want. And sometimes I have to say no. And a lot of times I say no more than I want to, but, but I have to help them because kids left to themselves are not going to choose what is right for them. But one thing they don't have to do is they don't have to come up to me and hug me and kiss me on the cheek and say, oh, daddy, you're just so great. You're so awesome. I love you so much. And I'm just buttering you up because I'd, I'm going to ask you something really big. And this, you know, I know some kids do that, but not mine. Mine don't have to do that. They just come up and ask. Jenna is on restriction right now. She's in trouble because she made a bad grade on a final. And uh, she's going a month. She chose to go a month without certain things like media and devices and, you know, perks and things like that, sleeping over at people's houses and baking and, you know, just some stuff that she gave up. She gave it up willingly because we were about to pull her out of basketball because that's what kept her from uh, being able to perform properly on this test. But she came up just tonight and asked us to let her off her punishment early for, cause she's going on a five hour trip and she's going to go crazy. She thinks without media, I have a hard time feeling sorry for her because um, I never had media on any trip that I went to, including the one we went to Washington, D.C. in a car from Florida. Ugh. Ugh. But she didn't. She just asked. And we said no. And we reminded her that you chose this. And you're asking. I even asked her to, to think about the irony of it. You're asking for us to let you off um, restriction so that you can have these benefits while you go and play basketball when basketball is the reward. You know, that is what you chose. And so, yes, the answer is yes, actually. You can be off restriction, but you can't go on the trip. You're forfeiting the trip if you want these benefits because that's what the punishment was. And she decided yet again to stick to her guns and not uh not and, and to go on the trip and to not push it at all about the uh the you know getting her benefits back it took a long time to just say that when i look at the way my family operates and the way i interact with my daughter um she just asks and even if she's misled doesn't mean i hate her or judge her, or look down my nose at her, or say, why didn't you ask me differently? Why didn't you think about this? Why didn't you? Do 
I just lovingly direct her the right way. So I don't know why I got hung up on prayer out of all the things that I was asked to talk about. But I think, I think, I think prayer for some folks is very intimidating. And I hope that maybe this helped make it a little less intimidating because I do truly believe that Jesus came down to make things very simple not easy, but simple. You know, salvation is simple. It's very complex and blah, 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 but you don't have to be a theologian to ask Jesus to come and save your soul. You don't even have to understand all of the stuff that he did on Calvary and all the, all the, uh, you know, you don't have to know hardly anything. You just have to believe it. You have to believe the basics of what Jesus was and, and is and, and what he wants for you. And, and you just have to feel that, that Holy Spirit drawing you and you have to receive Christ. But you don't have to understand it all. And I think... I think it's that way by design. I think it used to be very complex. You had to find a sheep that was perfect and a ram and a goat and a this and then that and, and, and a, a dove and, and it had to be flawless. And, you know, there was all this, this pomp and circumstance and there was temples and priests and there was scapegoats and um, the Holy of Holies and, and, you know, offerings and burnt offerings and, and pour, pouring out offerings and all this stuff. And Jesus came and he just simplified so much of that. You didn't get to talk to God just once a month. You could talk, I mean, once a year, you could talk to God at any time, anywhere, without anything other than Jesus ushering you in. That is huge. And it's it's just like our enemy, the devil, that, oh, by the way, I believe in the devil. I don't believe that he does anything personally to me. I don't think I'm that important. I don't believe he's all powerful or all present. I don't believe he knows my thoughts. Um, I, I, I believe that I am my own worst enemy, even more than Satan because of the, the, the old man, as they call it in the Bible, the, the sin nature, if you want to go there that, that I claim to be free from because I am, saved but uh it's still there <laughs> it still wants to do all the wrong things and think all the wrong stuff about people um i forgot what i was saying i just i, I just uh i keep it simple <laughs> keep it simple these days Jesus died on the cross, connected me with God. God loves me. I'm an idiot. He knows that. And um, when I come to him mumbling and stumbling, uh, it, even back when I came to him with this, you know, I have to kiss your rear to get your attention attitude. Um, you know, he, he still received my prayers and, he still heard me and he still gave me what I needed and he still led me even in the dark times of my depression. He was dragging me <laughs> through it and I couldn't see it at the time, but I see it now and I'm still to a certain extent being drugged 
I think I'm like on a skateboard though now. Like like it's the the dragging is a little easier. But I'm still healing and still you know reconnecting with God and you know finding out I'm still on the journey of finding out what he wants to do with me. You know, I podcast. I I do artwork for people online. I I try to connect with folks through social media. I I raise my kids. I taxi them around to their places and their things. And, um, I take care of the dogs in my house and I go and I help my friend David once in a while with our church. And, you know, it seems like this year things are going to start kicking up at the Melvin and that the Novation church will start to become, um, more of what we've been wanting it to be now that the building's done. So I look forward to this year and and possibly getting on a scooter instead of a uh, skateboard so I can go a little faster maybe, you know, get drug along a little faster. But um, I believe in prayer. I believe in keeping it simple. I believe God loves us. I believe he loves sinners. I believe he wants everyone to go to heaven. And I feel it's a darn shame that they're not all going to make it. I don't know, though. I don't know. I don't know. I just know what the Bible says and the way I perceive it. I could be wrong. But on the essentials, I, I think I got that down. And I would die for those beliefs. Um that who Christ is and who he claimed to be and who God is and what the Holy spirit does in my life. Um, I, I, I would, uh, th- that would be the hill I would die on is what I'm saying. But all the other stuff, I hold it loosely because man, I used to believe that depression was bull crap and that people that were depressed we're just using it to, as an excuse to be lazy, sit around and do nothing. And now I'm that guy <laughs> and I know it's not true. And maybe some people do. Okay. Maybe some people do, but I don't. And so I know I have a different understanding. I held that belief very tightly, but now <laughs> it changed, you know, because of experience and, and, uh, so I hold, I hold all the non-essential stuff very loosely. And, you know, if you want to believe once saved, always saved and go for it. Um, just, just here's my advice to anyone, no matter what you believe is if in your heart of hearts, you want God's will for your life. If you really, truly want that, I believe it's going to be very hard and difficult for you and maybe impossible for you to mess up God's will for your life. Because if in your heart of hearts, you want to please God, you want to live a life set apart, then that's what God can work with and he can build on. Somebody told me that a long time ago when I was, 
I was in a place where I could stay in ministry or I could go out and get a job and provide for my family. I was doing an internship at the time. And, and though I was doing ministry, I wasn't making any money for my family. I felt bad. And I said, what do I do? And this person told me that. And um, it's true. It's true. And I chose to stay, chose not to go. And it was a hard decision. That's typically the other way I know when things are good or bad is you pretty much pick the hardest choice. And that's usually the best one. (laughs) The one you don't want to do, the one that's going to cause the most pain. That's usually the one God wants. So let me think, is there anything else before I go? Um, yeah, if, uh, well, let me finish my advice. My advice was that no matter what you believe, that um, just make sure in your heart of hearts that you want what God wants for your life. And no matter how far you feel you are from where God wants you to be, just make a decision that, that you're going to get there one day. And I think that willingness is all God needs. That faith of a mustard seed, that tiny spark of desire. Because I do truly believe we are the clay and he is the potter. And clay can't do a whole lot on its own. It's only got two properties. It's flexibility. You know, it's moisture content. And it's ability to stay in one place (laughs) and not move. And I believe that that translates to us as, uh, as our willingness to be molded is, is that flexibility, that, that moldability. We have to be willing to allow God to shape us and change us and to realize that the, the struggles we go through are, are that it's, it's the trials that we go through that shape us and change us. And you're going to go through crap anyway. You might as well have come out on the other end, a better person. So willingness, you know, is, is very important. You know, some people would call it, uh, being, um, submissive, uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh man, <laughs> this is why I don't preach anymore. I lose my words. Of course, if I was preaching, I'd have notes, but, um, surrender would be the word, the fancy word for it. You have to be surrendered. But the other thing that clay does is it stays still on the, on the molders, on the potter's wheel, the molders wheel. It's not a thing. And uh, to me, that is faithfulness. Um, and faithfulness is one of those things, kind of like prayer, where, where they said, we, we said, uh, pray without stopping. It doesn't mean um, that you're always faithful necessarily. It just means that you keep being faithful. You know, David was called a man after God's own heart, but we all know he did a lot of things that was not after God's own heart. And that's why I kind of believe that when it says that, it, it it's more of, David was a man that constantly chased God's heart. He was after God's heart. He screwed up so many times and did everything he wasn't supposed to do, but he always came back. And that's kind of my story. I've made every mistake you could make, you know, and I've, I've done things and thought things and, you know, we all have, 
sin is sin and then everybody's got their unique take on it and their own spin and they've put their own passion and personality into it to make it this very particular version of it just for them to <laughs> to damn their soul um but um i don't know god's good and i think i'm done i think i'm done there's nothing else there's nothing else i believe strong enough to, to talk about so i hope you enjoyed this um if you have any questions email me james at nlcast.com um if you just want to argue don't don't argue with me i i don't want to argue i don't i don't care <laughs> i mean i care about my beliefs but if you have questions, I'll answer questions, but I'm not going to just argue with Christians. So you're not going to change my mind. It's not your job to change my mind. Just if you, if I said anything that just, you know, you just think, oh man, he's, he's doomed. He's going to hell forever. Just pray for me. That's the best thing you could do. Not get mad, not feel like I've messed up your personal beliefs and, and I've devalued your faith or whatever. Um, just pray for me <laughs> and uh, trust that God and the Holy Spirit will, will change me if I need to be changed. I That's where I'm at. I know I'm not anywhere near. I mean, saying a sermon or a sermon, sharing something like this is much like a PC. You, 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 it ages as soon as you buy it or as soon as you record your audio, it's aged. As soon as you say it, it's, it's already obsolete. Um, but anyway, uh, Lynette, thanks for the, for the idea. It's one of the hardest things, um, that I struggle with, with gospel Kennison is topics. Um, because I want to say what's on my mind, but I don't always know <laughs> what's on my mind, you know? Because with depression, a lot of times all I would do was probably just hit record and, and gripe and complain about how terrible I am. Um, but then when I'm when I'm doing better, like now, when I'm leveled out, uh, I'm still not too hot on myself, but I don't feel the need to to talk about it, you know. So uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Again, if you have questions, hit me up, james at nlcast.com. Um, the website is gokcast. Uh, if you want to support this show on Patreon, Patreon, that is how I make my money for my family. So uh, patreon.com slash gok is the website, and, and you can give you know per episode a very small amount if you want or a very large amount. It's completely up to you. It could be just once a month. It could be two episodes a month, three, four, whatever you want. You're in control. It's totally up to you. But it does help me out. And thank you for my patrons, the ones that are already uh, out there doing what they do and, and supporting. I uh, hope you guys got your stickers. I, I got some GOK stickers uh, done up, and I'm giving them out to patrons. So if you become a patron, I'll send you a sticker. Okay. So there you go. All right. Uh, till next time. Uh, this is James. And that's what I thought about that stuff I talked about.